We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wednesday evening in mid-August. Actually, late August. Let's be real. It's the 23rd. Soon to be the 24th. This is just, you know, this is deep content. Deep content season for only the most diehard of Warrior fans. (laughs) We also also just completed a rewatch of 2019 Western Conference Semifinals. Game 6, Warriors against the Houston Rockets. The infamous zero point per game, zero points in the first half, 33 points in the second half, Steph Curry game, where he dances and ultimately breaks up the James Harden-Chris Paul tandem. Man, I, you, you know what's funny about these rewatches? Mm. Um, one, you guys should join us on playback when we do them. But two, do you not feel like there's just – a, even though it was three years ago, there's so many little things you're like, man, I totally forgot about that. Or I, I didn't quite, you know, like this not top of mind. I forgot about those things. Uh, it felt like it happened 10 years ago because I remember none of it. And as you watch it, it's like riding a bike. All of a sudden, everything comes rushing back to you. Uh, everything like Alfonso McKinney's on the team. He actually got a couple offensive rebounds. As you said, this is kind of the uh, ascendance of Kevon Looney to becoming a steady contributor. Clay Thompson looks incredible, and he's making clutch shots. Draymond's defense, and then obviously my guy Andre hitting big shots. And all these things come rushing back, Sam, and you're sitting here, you're just like, I think 10 years from now, uh, I think the same thing's going to happen. 15 years from now, same thing's going to happen. You and I are going to sit across each other. Light years is going to be pulling in millions of dollars every year, and we're going to go – Dude, do you remember 20 years ago, Andre Godala hitting those shots and, of course, Steph Curry dropping 33 points in the second half and doing what he's always done to Houston. And we're just going to remember it like that. And that's how it felt tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So so you kind of alluded to it. I wanted to talk about a few of these things, and then, um, you know, we'll see where the night takes us. But it's – so I remembered the Warriors kind of – 2019 was like – the worst depth they had during the dynasty years. And and that's what happens when you're consistently competing, your depth gets a little worse and, you know, kind of towards the end of it, you're just like, dude, this is just like, 
It's like four dudes and no one else, right? But it's another thing when you watch it, right? I'm watching. I totally forgot they brought back Bogut from Australia. By the way, friend of the show, Andrew Bogut. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? I totally forgot that he started that game. Did you remember? Did you know that going into it? Nope. Nope. I was like, dude, is this 2015? <laughs> Uh, what was, was going on? I was I was watching it and I had a little a brief panic attack that I pulled up the wrong game for a moment. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I I remembered Quinn Cook and Jonas Jarebko played right. in that game. Um, I don't think I properly remembered how much they played. Like that's the that's the thing that caught me off guard. Like I I knew that they were in the rotation. I knew McKinney was in the rotation. Uh, I don't think I properly contextualized like those were the first guys off the bench you know like it really was like when kd went down in that series it was like the core dudes and cook and mckinney right i i guys like couldn't cook was coming in earlier than sean livingston which makes you remember like sean livingston was onto his last legs that was it for him and i think that game we just watched was probably the best game that he played uh, kind of before his career ended there. Um, so it's insane uh, what the Warriors are trying to get. And, and again, like you look on the bench, obviously KD's not playing, but Boogie's out too. He he ended up hurting his quad, right? He probably would have played a big bulk of minutes if he wasn't injured. I don't know whether that'd be good or not. So it just felt like that Warriors team uh, was on its last legs. We ended up finding out they actually were, right? They actually ended up falling apart in the two rounds later. But it didn't matter. And not just because it's the Houston Rockets. I just don't think it mattered against any team that they would have played. Uh, championship mentality is pretty cliche, Sam. Uh, and they didn't actually end up winning that year. But that series felt like, yeah, that's a championship team. I think sometimes when you talk about, I think, teams that lose series and still kind of get more credit for losing nowadays, which I think sucks in the way that people look at series. Like, I think a lot of people look at KD and Kyrie losing that series, but they're like, oh my God, if KD's foot wasn't on the line and it feels like he gets a lot of credit for that. I feel like for the Warriors, that series against Houston did similar things where, hey, they didn't win in championship, but because they showed that, they showed that heart, that mentality, and they were able to fight through and they still won. I think like that meant a lot, I think, obviously to us, but but really to everyone too. Yeah, and... And to your point, you mentioned Andre. Um, Andre hit so many big shots in this game. And on the broader point, I feel like watching this game, I had two main thoughts. One, Andre is one of the best big game players of all time. Like, he just is. Like, um, you know, when you say, to me, a big game player infers a player who's not a superstar who shows up at a superstar level when it's a big game. Like no one's calling LeBron James or Michael Jordan or Steph Curry, big game players, because it's assumed they show up a big game players like James worthy, you know, a guy who's good, but when the moment comes up, they get bigger. Clay Thompson, actually, quite frankly, kind of big game player, right? You know, like that sort of thing. Right. And what Andre's performance in this kind of room also reminded me of was, how little shooting that team had compared to today. So like I'm watching this game and we said it like 10 different times on playback. It's Steph, it's clay. And then it's a bunch of dudes who want to make assists. 
It's like <laughs> Iguodala, Draymond, Looney, Bogut rotated around, all trying to find Claire Steph relocating it every moment. And a potato. Tonight, yeah, tonight was the night where Iguodala is like, I'm going to be the third guy. I'm going to hit enough shots just to. They needed someone to hit a few shots just to keep the rest of the defense offense, right? And, um, and does it isn't yeah. it weird watching it compared to this team? That's I kept comparing it to this team. That's all I thought about. And let's talk about this one guy because you you started off Clay Thompson. Um, let's talk about him and how he looked in 2019 in that game versus how he looks now, right? Sam, what have I told you? What have I told you that in 2022, 2023? That Clay Thompson, after two years coming off injury, right, and, and an off season where he could actually train and get get even healthier and even more explosive and even better, what if he looks eighty five percent? Do you think he can get to eighty five percent of that Clay Thompson that we just saw tonight against Houston? Can we can we can we back it up just a little bit because I want to give context to people who didn't rewatch of this tonight. So first off, I remember this being. Steph's big second half. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we overlook how phenomenal Clay looked in the first half and just really this whole playoff run. Like, would you agree with me? 2019, the playoff run was the absolute best Clay Thompson's ever looked. Yes. I mean, just complete control of his game offensively, complete lockdown defensively, just looks like a two way superstar. And then obviously, like we don't we don't need to go into it. Like the knee, the, the Achilles, like awful sure. injuries. Um, where would you have put his performance last year relative to what you saw in 2019? Like, are we talking 80 percent, 70 percent? Like, that's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to ask you. 65. Wow. Se- no, 70. I'll give you 70. Okay. So, like, did, I. I, I the, the quickness laterally is the one where the way he's moving, guarding James Harden and then going to guard uh, Eric Gordon and then kind of boxing Clint Capella out or P.J. Tucker out. Uh, he could do that in spurts today, but not consistently. And then the other thing is, he, dude, he's getting a shot off so quickly and moving side to side so quickly to get that shot off coming off screens. His shot's still amazing right now. Um, he's still a streaky, but he's, he's still making those shots. But the way he can get his shot coming off screens is not the same right now. Not the way that he can move to get it. Not like what we just saw. So I would say 70%. Yeah, I, I might go 75. I, I think, I think watching, rewatching a high level playoff game from 2019 really drove home how good he was and also put into context where he was off of his injuries. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just like, it just, you kind of have to put the two films side by side to like really juxtapose it. Right. Like for me, that's, that's a big thing. And um, actually I'm, I'm with you because I think it gives me a little optimism about him this year. I think he played really well in the playoffs. I think even if he was up and down with the shot making, he proved he could make an impact which is no small feat given how long he was out. He missed 2.5 years. I think there's a decent re- – uh, let me put this to the front. There's a 
there's a reason to have optimism that he's going to build off of what he did last year and get closer to 2019. He doesn't even yeah. need to get back to 2019, but just like yep. close the gap a little bit. It's unfair to ask him to get to 2019. Correct. Very unfair. Um, that was his prime, great best stage. Outplaying Kawhi Leonard by the time that Toronto series was ending, uh, as you and I and Warriors fans always say, uh, if he stays healthy, they win that series in seven, without a doubt. <laughs> but also you look at the construction of the Warriors today, and uh, we talk about what we just saw. By the way, Jordan Bell was playing big minutes that game too. So now we're talking about Jordan Bell, Quinn Cook, Fonzo McKinney, uh, Jonas Drabko playing big minutes. And now you look at the Warriors next season, we're talking about Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, we're talking about Dante DiVincenzo, who's a better role player than any of the guys that we just I just talked about that we just watched, right? Big, uh, big John, Big John, and Big Jim. Big John and Big Jim. Uh, I'm gonna throw those guys out because I'm not trusting either of those guys right now. But come on, Looney's better than he was back then, right? So, so you talk about those guys, and all of a sudden, I I don't think you need Clay to be that guy. Uh, you and I think the Warriors are the best team in the league right now. But if Clay can get to eighty percent of that guy, eighty five percent of that guy, the team gets so much better. Because I think the expectation always was that this season uh, was going to be Clay season to get back to as close as he can to that person. So we'll, we'll see. And I think that's the exciting part. Uh, maybe he never gets back to 2019, but man, the closer that he gets to it, the better for the Warriors. Cause it's, I don't think the Warriors need Clay to get to 85% of that person. Cause we just saw that they didn't need him. Clay was up and down, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. No, I mean, I mean, I think this season also the playoffs showed like, as long as Clay can shoot it like this, he's going to freak defenses out. So he's always going to have a certain level of value. Yeah. Um, even if he's not like, you know, game six, high pressure moment, make everything Clay. Like he's always going to, he's always going to scare defenses on some level. Um, you mentioned Looney. I thought that was an underrated part of the rewatch because during the rewatch, what did Van Gundy called? Mr. Like the veteran, Mr. Reliable. And then Breen turns to him and goes, he's 23. <laughs> I was, I was like <laughs> losing my mind on it, but it's like it, one, it's true. Even back then we thought Looney was like a, an old man Two, Looney's the oldest 26 year old of all time. Like he just, it's very hard for me to juxtapose the idea that Looney's younger than Wiggins and he's, uh, he's only 26. There's, there's, I mean, Looney's 26 now. I mean, he must, he, he damn, damn, it might be 30, 38. I mean, and, and actually it felt like Looney looked quicker back then. It, he actually had a couple baskets where he was actually trying to ISO spin move, get into the hole type of thing. Uh, now you look at Looney's game and uh, I think he's much stronger. Uh, he's not as laterally quick, but you can't move him and you can't, you also don't blow by him because we saw Chris Paul and Harden and Eric Gordon blow by him. Nowadays, people don't blow by him because he's so strong that he's just hand checking guys out of the way. You can't actually get by the guy now, uh, offensively. And that, that's what makes it so impressive. And then the last one is that Looney's offensive rebounding now is just absurd. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, he yeah, just, it went, from, yeah, it went, from, it went from good. It went from good to God mode, right? Like yeah. he was, he had a, in 2019, you're watching the clips and you're like, um, oh, he's got, he's got like a nice knack for the ball. Right. Now it's right. like, now it's like you need two bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, maybe, that even, like... maybe even three, maybe three, you know? <laughs> 
How many rebounds did he have in that game six against Memphis? Did he have like did he have like seventeen or something like that? Just some some obscene where it was a do or die 22. game for the Warriors. Twenty two. I'm off by five. Twenty two rebounds. So, I, man, how did he only get paid? By how did he only get paid what he got paid? God, Dude, it's it funny. Hurts he's my heart. he's low key a little lake of moneyball going on where or it's like he's really good at stuff that like is just not valued by the market the way it should be. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of funny. Um, I feel like Draymond green might be a supersized version of that. When he hits the market, (laughs) I got a little feeling that Draymond's going to see some of that. Now he's not going to get paid what Looney's going to get paid because he's Draymond green, but I don't know how much he says his skill is valued the way that the Warriors value his skill. Hey, hey, maybe that's why he's trying to get ahead of it because he knows it, yeah. the market's not going to be friendly to him. Yeah. Um, Story for another time, anyway. But right, I, I have two other things and really one other thing before we open to the goots. One, um, rewatching a game from 2019. It's amazing to me. So so James Harden and Steph Curry are the same age. Steph's actually older. Um, Steph's a year and change older. Wow. James Harden looks incredibly quicker <laughs> in 2019, and he looks kind of washed now. Steph looks young, and he looks so much more athletic now. And to me, like juxtaposing those two, it's wild because it's like, you know, James Harden looked – first off, he's a first-ball Hall of Famer. He looked amazing, and he looked dangerous, and he looked so quick in that. Meanwhile, I'm watching Steph. He obviously took over in the fourth quarter, and he was still the most skilled player in the NBA back then. But you, you could see just, like, how much stronger he got since then and how much it's made his game more reliable since then. So it's like he's gotten even better since then. And Harden's kind of drifted off, even though he's younger than him. There, uh, so the the peak difference is, I think, between 2015, 16, Steph versus now. I think it's obvious where you can say pros and cons for each one. Steph is so much quicker back then. His release is faster. He's getting to the hole quicker. Um, I, I would argue maybe offensively a way more ceiling back then. Uh, but now you look, but I think in 2019, which is what we saw tonight, I think, I think he was actually kind of on the downslope where he had yet to adjust his game. He had yet to get big on defense where he can play the lockdown defense that he can, he can play. And then he wasn't strong enough kind of, to kind of take the beating that he would, that he does now. Right. So I think somewhere between the lines between 2019 then, uh, and 2022, those, those three years, he transformed, I think, his body and his mindset. And, and I think that to your point, He's I mean, flatly, he's better. And he's better for the reasons I think he just changed his body. Uh, he's getting to the hole. You pointed this out in the middle of the early of the game. He had zero points in the first half. He didn't really shoot. He got trapped a lot. He also didn't really want to get to the hole, which is something that I think that he understands now way more than before at age 34, going on to 35. That wouldn't happen in today's game. There's no way Steph ends up with zero points in, in the first half. And so I think there, there are things... I think mentally and physically that Steph has changed. And then the last one, the obvious one is defensively. He's actually not bad defensively in that game, but he's still, he, he's just with the size that he was at, he wasn't able to play the way he does today. I mean, nowadays, nowadays it seems like he's inviting guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to come and try to post them up where back then you can still tell he's trying to 
get away from guys like Harden and he's getting into foul trouble, that does not happen anymore. We don't worry about Steph getting into foul trouble anymore in the postseason. And it felt like that was a regular occurrence. And it happened. It literally happened tonight in that rewatch. He had four fouls uh, in the third quarter. So, Yeah, I mean, it's just um... – it's just wild to watch the uh, the difference that even three years can make in for, terms for, of for two different superstars, right? <laughs> for two different MVPs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it speaks to you know, speaks to drive, will, whatever you want to say. I don't know. We, we can <laughs> go through it. Lack yeah, of strip you guys... clubs. <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys are free to call in now. We've we've gone through it. I. I don't know. I fully enjoyed that rewatch just because, like, I, it, sometimes it's jarring to think it was just three years ago, right? Like, that's, <sighs> that's the wild part. Yep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we'll get to the goons in a minute. Should we, should we hit a couple of news items before yep. we move to the goons? Yep. So um, light your sources tell us oh that boy. Patrick Beverly is headed to the Lakers for Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, my first thought is I thought Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook hate each other. So how is that? Like, I I thought they genuinely hate each other, not in the way like, oh, Draymond mean, and John Moran hate mean, each other, but mean, they don't really. You, you mean know? you mean back to, God, going back to, what was it, 2012? When, or 13 playoffs where Beverly swiped at Westbrook's knees and Westbrook's blamed him for that knee injury ever since? Yeah. Took him out of the series, took him out of the playoffs. And then and then I mean, Russ comes in and he's like he's like, you know, he's got his great quote, by the way. He's like, Beverly trick y'all, he don't do nothing. Which is ironic because that's what that's what Russ is. He he don't do nothing either on defense. He just he tricks everyone because he screams a lot. But uh so it's it's funny with those two guys. But how are they gonna play together? I thought I think they genuinely do not like each other. So that that that's my first thought, Sam. How about you? Yeah, I mean I know the Lakers want to dump Westbrook, but like, I don't know if it's out there. Like, hey, do you think they're going to trade him? Let me let me start. Let me back this up. Give me like, forget sources, forget anything else. Your gut feeling: Will Russell Westbrook be starting for the Lakers when the season opens? I I think they have no choice. I just don't. I think he's on the Lakers. They can't do anything about it. Nobody wants him. Uh, he's going to be on the team. <laughs> They're stuck with him. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I don't see I don't see a route in which they get off him uh, at the beginning of the season. I actually think he's going to get traded midseason. That's my um, 
Mm. That's my feeling on the on the matter. And that's gonna be hilarious to watch how that plays out. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Um I don't know, man. They're they're the opposite of the Warriors in every sense of the word. <laughs> like sometimes you sometimes you wish the Warriors would be a little more aggressive trading players, but they're not gonna do it. The Lakers opposite, just desperately throwing away every future asset uh to win anything now. And I'm not saying Taylor Horton Tucker's anything, and I don't know if he is. Um, but it's just like I, I think they're gonna continue making more and more trades and every season is gonna be about like go for it, go for it, go for it at all times. Uh I think the interesting part that's also funny is Taylor Horton Tucker is in the trade, uh, which is, you know, a, a guy that I thought that they were thinking would be their version of Jordan Poole. So I think that's funny that he's in a trade for pretty like one dimensional washed up old point guard. Like we're like that's as as cool as it is to see Pat Beth's antics and what he did for the Timberwolves. Like there's a lot of like lot of bark no bite with the way he is. It's like Chris Paul where it's like, oh my God, look at all this leadership. And I think that's a lot of Pat Bev. It's it's a lot of this stuff is like, okay, it's a cool narrative. Like he's a he's a good leader, I guess. He gets people pumped up. He gets the crowd going. But, like, is he actually good at basketball? Is he that impactful? I don't I don't actually know. And then the other one is uh, Stanley Johnson. They traded him, and it felt like the, the Lakers traded a wing guy that they would they, they needed. And how sad is it for the Lakers that <laughs> a guy like Stanley Johnson that they picked up off the street is a guy that kind of couldn't afford to let go because they needed wings on the roster? I think that tells you where the state of the Lakers are, and that's fucking hilarious. And that it's absolutely hilarious. It's a sad, it's a sad time for Lakers fans. It's it's great for us. It's great for us. It's absolutely great for us. Um, we have another news item. I don't even want to call it a news item, but um, friend of the show, Stephen A. Smith, threw out on his show that he's been hearing negative things about Jonathan Kuminga. To be significant, I'm worried about Kaminga. I'm hearing too many things about him off the court in terms of his head, the level of discipline that he lacks. You understand? Mm -hmm. Some of the foolishness. I'm not getting in his personal business. I'm Mm. not saying nothing like that. Mm. I'm talking attitude. I'm not talking actions. I'm saying the attitude, the level of focus, commitment, determination, just putting your head down, doing the work. I'm hearing that he's shortchanging the Warriors in that regard, and he got to get his act together because I'm a Jonathan Kaminga fan. Where what are what's your initial reaction to this? Why did Joe Lacob tell Stephen Smith <laughs> to tell the national media that, <laughs> or the national, I guess, basketball fan base that? I because you know Andre has said it, uh, Steve Kerr has said it, Draymond has said it, pretty much everyone has said it besides Steph probably because Steph Steph doesn't say anything. Uh, Clay does probably doesn't care. So it's really the guys that are outspoken, which is Draymond, Andre, and, and, and Steve, have all said it in some way. But they've never said it – like they've said it in a podcast or they've said it in local media. Nobody's ever said it nationally, right? And Stephen A. Smith is the guy that you tell because he's sitting there on, on ESPN or wherever he's at. Uh, and he's tell, telling this to everyone. And all of a sudden, Bleach Report, Bleach Report picks this up and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, whatever accounts pick this up. And all of a sudden, I find that interesting because why would Joe Lacob tell Stephen A to say that? Uh, it tells me that they're actually probably frustrated with Kaminga. That's what it tells me. They're probably annoyed. Uh, they're probably annoyed because Summer League was a disappointment where I don't think Kaminga got better. 
and uh, they're probably frustrated. So I don't know. I don't know how much it matters, but you seem annoyed. Yeah, my my read on it is they want it out there, right? right? Like, yeah. um, the Warriors come across as a very calculated organization to me. Um, they want positive Wiseman press out there. They want positive <laughs> Wiggins press yeah. out there. Not for any reason other than they think those guys will really respond well to positive press. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kuminga strikes me as a player who might need negative press, might need some people to, uh, to get in his face a little bit to get the most out of him. And that's, that's the way I read it. Um, I actually have no reason to believe he's a bad worker or anything like that. I have reasons to believe he might be stubborn, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like completely different things. Um, And, and the way that it got leaked, it felt very, it felt like it was it was intentional. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, absolutely. I, so so I want to parallel this a little bit to Jordan Poole um, because he's Kaminga's obviously not like Wiseman. He's obviously not like Wiggins. So they, those, those are good. Those are good things you pointed out. They're gonna treat him differently, right? We don't only ever heard good things about Wiggins, and we've only ever heard good things about Wiseman. Uh, with Jordan Poole, we don't hear anything about Jordan Poole now, uh, even now. Uh, and I think with Jordan Poole, they never – I think they always coached him hard. I don't think they ever called him out at all, but I thought they always gave him kind of an unfair shake where you know they sent him to G League or they wouldn't give him minutes over Nico Mannion, who is obviously not good at basketball. Um, uh, Chris Chioza, who was another guy that's obviously not good at basketball. And you're sitting there you're like, why isn't Jordan Poole getting these minutes that we feel like he deserves – and I think we're kind of going to be seeing the same thing with Kaminga. Now, the difference is you hear behind the scenes that Jordan Poole is the hardest working player on the team. I do not hear that about Jonathan Kaminga. So I think that's the difference. Not to say that he's a lazy worker, but you hear nonstop that Jordan Poole is one of the hardest workers on the team. Um, and so he was always going to figure it out, even if it was the tough love stuff. With Kaminga, I see the tough love stuff. And, and so we'll see, right? I think it's TBD. But I do think it's a, maybe maybe a little maybe a little parallel there with those two guys, uh, the way that they're treated by by the front office and coaching staff. By the way, both those players tend to respond better to tough love. I think that's part of it too. I think it's an organization that likes to push players' buttons when they can. Um, I don't know, man. Like they're they're intelligent enough to know that like this style of leaking would never benefit, uh, let's just say James Wiseman, right? Like, I'm not even saying that in a negative way, but I'm just being like, you know, you got to know what gets guys going. Like, you watch you watch Kuminga, super talented. He also knows he's super talented. Do you think he's going to respond better to having his ego massaged or <laughs> better to someone being like, you're not as good as you think you are? Which is why it's, think, it's like it's it's pretty like it, I think it's intelligent I think it's smart coaching I just think it's I just think it's the reality everyone's got a different personality type right uh yeah I mean they need Andre back also that's the other thing I think with especially with Kaminga is they need Andre back uh they need a guy that can help develop him the, the other thing I think too is I think there's a bit of urgency with these young kids where they do want them to start showing that they can play 
Um, I think Moses Moody is is already there. I think I was, I was about to I was about game. to I was about to say. By the way, you know who we never hear anything about? <laughs> who, we, who we never hear about ego massaging or like <laughs> tough love? Moses Moody. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> they're not worried about him. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't think they're worried about him. Uh, I, I think. And, I, and, war- and just, just, I, I just want to say, just so we're clear, I'm not, I'm not concerned about either of these situations. I just think it's interesting to monitor. I, I would be concerned because I like being concerned, uh, and, and, and I think I would be concerned with both Wiseman and Kaminga, both those guys, uh, well, for different reasons. I'm not concerned about Moody because they don't seem to be the the thing with him is like physically, can he actually be? In a, an elite role player or, or like a star in the NBA, physically can he get there? Maybe not. Maybe he just ends up being a really good role player, and that's fine. Um, they drafted him 14th, but I think I, I would be concerned with with Kaminga and Wiseman because yeah, okay, sure, like both those guys could be great in four years, but I would prefer them being really good hey, this year because the Warriors championship window is still still open. So I w- I would prefer if uh if both those two guys figure it out or, or maybe just one of them figures it out really the warriors don't actually need both guys <laughs> to figure it out they only need one of them to figure it out <laughs> that's really it's really what they need but uh um i don't know it's it's late august you know, might as well be concerned about something it's too happy around here all the time sam concern concern troll august, yeah, exactly. august 24th we have to be concerned over if <laughs> if kuminga hit the gym at 6 a.m on time um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think if if no one wants to call in, we we might call it a night early. Get a little get a little early sleep. Um, all right, and I'll, I, I let, let's cap it off, kind of uh, talking about 2019 because next week, next week, who, who what are we watching next week? By the way, what are we watching? I think we're gonna watch OKC 2019 or sorry 2016 game nice. six. Nice. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better. Than that. All right. Well, I, I guess this. Speak of big game, Clay. Right. Um, to cap off 2019, I I think that was, you know, any any time you lose in the NBA Finals, I feel like, you know, there you get sad. You know, the Gi- Giants lose the World Series or a playoff series, you get sad. The Niners, gosh, God bless in my time, how many freaking big games the Niners have lost. And then the Warriors, they, they lose, you know, 2016, whatever it is. But with 2019, with, with the way that they lost him, did, weren't you like – I never felt depressed. I wasn't sad about it. I just – I sat there and I felt like, damn. Like, I just watched this team go out and give every single thing that they had. That, that, that is accurate. Yeah, right? I, I was I, – I felt like – I just felt disappointed that, like, the injuries hit the way they did, you know? So, but I never felt like I never felt like they they choked or they lost it. You know what I mean? I always yeah. felt like, damn, dude, they they that's that's all they physically had. It's 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 all they had. It's like watching a UFC fighter. I was watching a UFC fighter. I was like retired this weekend. He was like forty years old, <laughs> and he's and, but it's like he in, in his last fight. It was all he had. He lost the fight. Uh, he, he, uh, but. But it, it didn't matter. It was like, look, this is everything that he had. He was punching until the final bell, and he lost. And that's what the Warriors felt like. It was just, uh, that was it for them. And then three years later, they win the championship again. So <laughs> so there you go. So there you go. <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys. Appreciate you. We'll be back next week.
Scott Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.